You've likely been hearing systematic racism a lot recently, and it can be interpreted greatly depending upon, of course, your point of view and how race conscious you are. In today's podcast, I'll define terms related to systematic racism, race consciousness, and provide examples to help you connect to the learning that you're doing. I plan to explore other elements of individual and systematic racism in future podcasts, but for now, let's go ahead and get started. I'm going to begin this podcast defining race consciousness, and then I'll move on to systematic racism. And the reason why I'm starting with race consciousness is because I really do believe it's the underpin to our learning journey. All of the terms that I'll be defining in this podcast come from a textbook, a social justice education textbook titled Teaching for Diversity and Social Justice. The contributors of the parts that I'll be referencing today are cited as Bell, Funk, Joshi, and Valadivia. Racial consciousness signifies being mindful of the impact of policies and practices on different racialized groups in our society. Race consciousness can motivate a desire to become informed about how injustice occurs, and it contradicts the concept of colorblindness through actively seeking to perceive, understand, and challenge racism. And I think this is incredibly important. Race consciousness really helps pave the way for us to imagine a more just, and inclusive society that affirms diversity rather than reducing it to a white normative ideal. When I read the definition of race consciousness, I was struck by two things. One, how that beautifully, I think, describes a kind of general raising of race consciousness globally, like we've never seen before. And two, those of us new to this journey are not experiencing anything particularly unique in that this is a process people go through who decide to educate themselves. Plus, I think it's important to call out, when one dives into social justice topics, there is the foundational education elements to learn, and then there is the complex, self-reflective, and awareness along with the application of nuanced thinking skills that are really required to self-examine your reaction and, of course, potentially the reactions of others around you to new information, which may contradict a lifetime of conditioning. Okay, moving on to systematic racism. Systematic racism covers a broad spectrum of areas and includes, but it's not limited to, societal, cultural, education, justice, legal, and institutional racism. For today's podcast, I want to tip into institutional racism, and as shared, I'll cover other aspects in future podcasts. So institutional racism is defined as reflected in the policies, law, rules, norms, and customs, which are enacted by organizations and social institutions that advantages whites as a group 
and disadvantage groups of color. A recent real-life example of institutional racism is what we saw most recently in Kentucky, where, according to multiple news sources, the number of polling places was reduced from 3,700 to 200. And I think as of Tuesday, June 23rd, there were just 107 open polling locations for their primary on Tuesday. You may wonder why. (laughs) I certainly did. So I dug in to find out, and here is what I learned. Kentucky state election officials indicated the decision to do that came after an executive order from Kentucky governor that expanded mail-in and absentee ballot access, which was really intended to reduce the risk of coronavirus and, of course, transmission for both voters and poll workers. The state's Board of Election officials then instructed counties to propose, and I think that it's important to highlight the word proposed, plans that would reduce the number of polling stations across the state. So they're deciding and proposing where those polling locations might go. So counties did select locations that could accommodate a larger capacity because of the reduction of polling stations. But ultimately where they landed was, for example, a county that Louisville sits in. They have simply one location for its entire population of approximately 767,000 residents, which are comprised predominantly of Black voters. And while COVID has certainly shifted how we operate across the country, reducing to a single poll location for 767,000 people naturally will disenfranchise people who are disabled, homeless, changed addresses, or receive an incorrect ballot in the mail. And when a group of people who are predominantly of color are disproportionately impacted by that, it does beg the question around what was done by the leaders of that county, as an example, or of that state, to mitigate bias around race in their areas as it relates to voting. I also wanted to share this particular example because it really does highlight an implicit or perhaps intentional or overt bias, and it's happening right in front of us. And I would guess before this collective wave of the awakening of race consciousness and the raising of race consciousness happened, I would assume a majority of white people and people such as myself, who is of mixed race, and I do consider myself a person of color, yet wholly ignorant and as such complacent around the structural, interpersonal, and individual racism that I and all of us are both living in and unknowingly practicing, unless, of course, we're being consciously anti-racist. So altogether completely unaware of it and nor fully understanding how the manifestation of this type of occurrence leads to unequal opportunities and unequal outcomes for Black people. 
Plus, it's important to remember that for many, this mirrors the racial inequities around access to voting polls for Black people in the South that has taken place really since the Civil War. And we'll dive into the history in future podcasts to help really connect around what we talk about today to the history of things like voting suppression. And of course, this is an example of institutional racism where county leaders make decisions which hurt or suppress Black voters. I am learning alongside you, raising my own race consciousness, as I hope you are yours through this podcast and many other informative and excellent resources available. I've posted several new resources in the show notes to help with our collective continual learning, and I'll keep doing so as we go on our social justice education journey together. Until next time, take care of yourself and each other. Thank you for listening to the Live, Learn, and Thrive podcast. Please rate and subscribe and share with your friends and family. If you'd like more information about Live, Learn, and Thrive, visit us on the web at livelearnandthrivebyskywest.com or follow us on social media at Live, Learn, and Thrive.